Welcome to the 301 Podcast, the interview podcast for the hottest up-and-coming entrepreneurs, artists, and creators. Real, authentic, and inspiring. And here is your host, Marcus Engel. Let's get it started in 301. Welcome back to the 301 Podcast. Today you get to know an advertisement student and artist, Theo Rickloff. We talked about how creativity can be learned as a skill, his need to get really deep into his research object, why he likes to collect trash, and about his one-week experience of being a homeless. A very interesting podcast with a very inspirational guy. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode and let's get it started in 301. From the studios from Thais Bierstecker, <laughs> directly <laughs> to the microphones to the 301 podcast. Uh, today we can welcome advertisement student and creative wizard Theo Rickelhoff. Welcome Hi. to the 301 podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Before we get into all the topics, um, maybe just a quick introduction from your side, who you are and uh, what you do. Okay, uh, I can do that. <laughs> I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm Theo. I'm uh, 24. I'm uh, living in Amsterdam, New West, across from uh, Sloot Fire Sea Cows. And I live with 17 housemates. <laughs> 17 housemates. Yeah. And it's very fun and also crazy at the same time. Um, yeah. And I study advertising in Rotterdam at Willem de Koning, Koning um, Art School. I play music. Um, I play the drums. I play guitar and a little, little bit of piano. And for the rest, yeah, I just do things <laughs> <laughs> do things and yeah do very things. random things um from nerf guns nerf gun fights with my uh with my housemates to um to i don't know random random adventures yeah but 17 you can build uh, proper teams right yeah exactly <laughs> well I, I, so far it's just been a one-on-one -on -one that lasted for 19 days <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy yeah nice and uh how's it going to live with 17 housemates um well it's it's actually pretty amazing it's the, it's the reason i um i didn't go to rotterdam i didn't move um because it's it's way too much fun there's so much variation with the amount of people that are there and i think i actually found a way of living that i want to do in the future as well just a lot of nice variating people from all over yeah that's super interesting because normally people like tend to say like I mean, I lived in Utrecht with um, 10 housemates. Um, I didn't like it. And uh, I, or even uh, even more, I don't even remember how it was, how much it was, because I said like at one point, oh, I, I want to live alone. But it's mm. quite interesting. <laughs> so, like, I could imagine uh, to live like this. Yeah, future. for me, actually, I, I would really enjoy it. I think it would be super special to remain even in your um, sort of grown-up state of life where you... Um, yeah, I don't know. Just stick with several people, like a like a tribe, sort of. Super interesting. Yeah. And um, I mean, you just come from the studios also of uh, Thais Biersteker, where you currently yeah. do your internship. For everyone who doesn't know who, who uh, Thais Biersteker is, a famous uh, artist who is doing uh, installation for like raising awareness for against pollution and like uh, climate change and global warming, those kind of things. Uh, what are your main tasks? Like, what are you doing there in the studio? I'm uh, I'm helping um, building up his his installations, so uh, technique basically. Um, I don't know, wiring things, drilling things, um, 
just a helper <laughs> of mm. the of the project um and i also am busy with my own installation there um and he is um how do you say coaching me in that in that process mm. yeah and how is it to see maybe let's say from the outside from an external perspective to see like a creative mastermind that at work and like uh, maybe his thinking patterns and is, is that like really like eye-opening for you it's not necessarily eye-opening it's just very um it's very how do you say honest to see it to see how it works and um I don't know actually how to how to answer your question. Well, it's uh, can you rephrase it again? Okay, can you? Mm, I mean, I, I think for example, if you go to um, an art show where Tyus Beersticker has his installation, you see the the work, mm -hmm. and you see maybe a description what it should say, but you are getting like very like um, let's say an external view of an internal process. And I was just wondering, like, what is like the, can, like, is it interesting to like see a little bit like the behind the scenes, uh, like things that are happening or like, what can you, can you tell something like how it is, like how the process works? And yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you mean sort of beyond the, the image of an artist Yeah, yeah. that you sort of see the, the, the person behind the work? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's very honest to see very, very, um, uh, not necessarily liberating, but I'm trying to find the word for it. Um, you just see a man who enjoys doing his thing mm. um, and he enjoys making making the art. He, he enjoys the aesthetics of his own installations. He likes building it. And that also motivates me to build with him. Mm. It's actually just a lot of fun. And um, yeah, the, the process is... is um, I, I don't get a lot of insight on his, on his thought patterns per se, Because he sort of, um, he does that himself. He just thinks of a bunch of ideas and then he's like, okay, I, uh, <laughs> I got something. These are the ideas and, uh, let's, let's, let's make it. Mm. So I don't see a lot in, in that process. Um, but I do see a lot how the building process, um, is actually. Mm. Yeah. And when was the first time for you that you kind of like had a feeling or realized that you, that you were creative or that you had like kind of a creative output? <laughs> the first time I felt I felt creative mm. consciously. Um well I got a um drum I got my drum kit when I was six. So I started drumming. Um yeah, I started drumming since I was mm. six. My brother got a guitar and we both played in a band together, obviously, mm. two brothers. And um Yeah, we just started playing. And I think the first time I felt creative is moving from Amsterdam to Beit, a village in uh, in uh, North Holland. Mm. And I think noticing there, you truly notice the difference um, of where you come from. And I don't necessarily mean Amsterdam. I also mean my parents because my my both my parents are very, very creative. Um, my mother does things from ranging from theater to um, actually sculpting or, or constantly making things out of every material. Uh, my father, um, he could always draw very well. 
Um, he's also a cook. He's been a baker. He's been a, a traveler. Mm. Um, and then when you sort of go to school for the first time, you notice that there is a slight difference in <laughs> how you got brought up. Mm. Um, but in my very first conscious thought, I think when I got drawings that I had to fill in, uh, how do you how do you call them? Uh, Tekenplaten is it is the Dutch word. I don't know how to say it in English. Um, and then I basically used a black marker to change the outlines of of sort of the grit that was given because I didn't agree with the grit. <laughs> and I think <laughs> that is a very first mm. sort of uh, conscious feeling of okay, um, that would be creative. But I think at the time I I wasn't aware of it being creative. It just was. I think now in hindsight I would think that would be the first mm. super interesting and um, now in your let's say still young young career um can you think back of a moment where you were like um like really in the flow like where you did something and then you finished it and you were like wow that was uh, a crazy journey can you think back of something like this <laughs> i have several um let's see um specifically the flow or just do you mean just a creative like process just a creative process okay um i think one of them was uh a journey that i did with a f with a friend of mine to london uh, which was very very random and trying to get into creative agencies um and just walk in and say hey i want to work for you but that didn't work out so it just uh, turned to us sort of walking the streets of london trying to find random people to to talk with and then making a documentary about a guy who makes broccolis um out of caskets or i don't know what you call it and it was it was super sort of creative a creative high in a way um so that was that was one thing um And I think the, the creative flow that I like to be in most is when I sort of get to this crazy inventor mode where I, where I sort of, um, I got so, um, how do you say, so focused on my work that the, the social part becomes a bit distorted. Mm. And then when people talk to me, I sort of have to switch and then... Um, I just I can only talk about the project, for instance, and then I'm like constantly talking about it. But uh, I see it everywhere. If I'm doing a project, I can no longer sort of just switch it off. Mm. Everything will be about that project. And I don't know. I I like that. I like that flow, that state of being. Yeah. And how do you get into that state? Um, diving into the subject that you're. Um, about to do something about. So I have learned about myself that I'm actually pretty good in diving into subjects. Um, and by diving in, you sort of become so busy with it that it becomes a part of your life. You mm -hmm. can almost say it's like a sort of method acting uh, style. Um, but for instance, I am now diving into soil because I'm doing an installation about soil health. Um, and I'm just so obsessed with soil right now. I listen to hours of podcasts, uh, get to know about bioengineering and get to know about 
um, all these chemical processes. I, I look up videos of farming. I, I see TED Talks. I watch documentaries. I, I talk to people that are in the food forest um, business or, or world or philosophy. Mm. Um, and then I, I just sort of scope. My, my scope becomes very broad and I just take everything in. And then I sort of become obsessed with it. And I think the sort of the, the, the biggest version of, of being into my subject <laughs> was when I did the homeless project, um, where I took on a homeless identity and slept on the streets of Amsterdam for a week. Um, and then I truly merged <laughs> yeah. with the with the, the subject I was researching. I have some, some more questions about yeah, the, the okay, homeless. Maybe homeless later. <laughs> let's uh, yeah. let's talk about that later. And how do you make sure like that you um, like still stay sharp and develop like your kind of like creative processes? And um, how do you inspire yourself like to to think differently? I mean, you you said like. I'm listening like to documentaries yeah. and to, to, to podcasts and stuff like that. Well, a theory, a theory of mine about that is that I have ADD, so I get distracted. And I think what I learned, at least from sort of an ADD lecture, um, when I first got diagnosed with it, is that I tend to get distracted if I am bored. And usually that is sort of my parameter. <laughs> if I get bored, mm. then I just don't want to do it. And then, so I constantly f try to find something that interests me. And if it doesn't, I just, I just don't do it. Mm. Um, so basically I try to make things as interesting for myself as possible to motivate me. And if it's too plain or, or too normal, I it usually, I, I don't care mm. <laughs> for myself personally do you think that um, creativity can be learned 100 definitely yeah i think most people i think that more people are creative than i than i would like to think i think sort of the idea of creativity is sort of oh you can draw or you can paint or you can sculpt um or or these days where you're i don't know in a, a designer but i think you're already creative when you are um I don't know, you can't reach the remote and then you find a, a pillow, throw it at the remote and then somehow it comes back to you. <laughs> I think that is already yeah. creativity. I think it's in so much more than we think. Mm. But I think you, um, there's a difference between if it is trained or not throughout your life. Um, so I think definitely it is there, but it needs to be, it needs to be trained. It's, it's a skill. Mm. I do believe that. And I think because at a very young age, I had creative parents and they just let me do a bunch of creative things. Um, it sort of became normal for me, um, which resulted in maybe that my creative, I don't know, muscle has been trained more. Mm. But I think a lot of people are creative and they should sort of know it about themselves or discover it still. Yeah yeah and because this is also like a very let's say a prominent discussion about the nature versus nurture mm -hmm. um do you then think that if you wouldn't have grown up with creative parents that you would maybe not be maybe maybe be sitting here but uh, maybe not be working for uh, or have an internship at Thais Beersteger <laughs> and uh, being at the university yeah I think so 100 percent. yeah I think every everything that 
um, my par- parents contributed and my, my childhood contributed um, is a result of why I'm here now. I think if I would have had a parent that would be into, um, I don't know, sailing and would just get me enthusiastic about sailing, then I would probably be sailing mm. or not. I don't know. You never know. It's yeah. a, but I, I don't think I would sit here if if it weren't for my history. Mm. Yeah. What was, the, what was the last thing you learned? Oh, that was the question. <laughs> the last thing I learned. Um, I think to make it easier for yourself um, in a creative process is to give yourself less, less options. I tend to be giving myself a lot of options. I read an article about you. And um, in the article, they mentioned that you have a very particular hobby. <laughs> You're collecting things <laughs> in the streets of Amsterdam. <laughs> What is that about? I, I, <laughs> yeah, I collect, I collect trash. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that actually started at a very, very young age. Um, so the first sort of um how do you say memory of of going through trash was that i was always picking up shiny objects from the ground so i was always looking down with my head that was when i was still living in amsterdam mm. and i would always pick up the reflectors from broken reflector things from bikes and i would see them as diamonds and i would keep them in a little treasure chest <laughs> <laughs> And um, I would just, I would find all kinds of things. I would find money. I would find old knives. I would find weird, weird stuff. Mm. Also once uh, I think I, I found, or or maybe it was my brother, but found a uh, heroin needle and then my mother was not so happy with it. <laughs> but um, basically what we, what we used to do as, as kids when we lived in Amsterdam, not sure if it actually had something to do with not having a lot of money. I don't know. But we would go through the the Gofel, as in the, the, the big chunks of, of trash that are out on the city every Tuesday or something. I don't know. Mm. And then we would just find uh try to try to find for cool things. And then we found a Playmobil uh pirate ship, which we didn't have. And Super then cool. it was broken, it didn't have a mast, so we we still took it. And then my uh, father just made a, a new mast mm. and some sails, and then we had a boat. And there are so many things that we actually of our toys that we just found outside mm. that we started playing with. And I think this sort of laid the root for me um, seeing value in things that other people throw away mm. um, way before the whole movement now of, 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 of recycling and, and, and all that. And then now I just have these, there's a certain bird in, in Dutch, it's called Exter. Uh, which looks for shiny objects. And I, I think that's sort of my spirit animal. <laughs> If I yeah. bike through Amsterdam or any city for that matter, I always look at the trash spots, always. I have like a very keen eye on it. I scan it in seconds and see if there's anything valuable, not necessarily valuable in money because I've, I've, I don't really do that, but just valuable for me. Mm. And it can be, I don't know, from ranging from old record players to old records to old German sci-fi books, which I like the cover art of. And mm. then I just rip the cover art. Or or um, I think most of my furniture actually comes from from the trash. Uh, also, 
art pieces that I found. So yeah, that is <laughs> definitely nice, a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. And what was the coolest thing you found after the Playmobil ship? Ooh, let's see. Um, I found a guitar, but that's not necessarily that cool. It is cool, but I mean, let's see, what is the coolest? Um, Maybe the coolest for you? I Previous summer, I found a um, disco lamp. <laughs> which I use extensively. <laughs> <laughs> I found it on the street. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. From the top of my mind, I can't really think of, of the coolest, but there's just a bunch of cool artifacts that I have. Mm. And talking about the, the streets of Amsterdam, I mean, you, you scratched on it already before a little bit. <laughs> you also did like a homeless experience. How how do you come up? How did you come up with that? Yeah. And uh, how yeah. did that That's go That's a down? nice bridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of the streets of Amsterdam. Um, how did I uh, go doing the, the homeless um, identity project? Basically, in my first year of art school, um, they asked me, um, or, uh, all the students, to um, uh, research an identity. And I immediately... It scared the shit out of me um, because I knew what it meant for me is I'm not just going to research an identity. I'm going to become that identity. And that already scared me when I when I first got the briefing at school. And then I was basically looking for um, identities that I wanted to, that I'm interested in. And one thing just kept popping up and that was homeless people because... I you I don't know you get a, approached a lot by homeless people in Amsterdam, um, and then you I always wonder okay what is up with this person what is the what is his story why is that person here okay he's asking for money what's that money gonna go to is it gonna go to drugs is it really going to food is it you know how how does that entire thing function it's so far away from me um, and you have all these preconceived ideas about them where you think, ah, it's probably a junkie or it's probably... And then I was like, you know what? I I just have to know. I, I want to know how it's like, how it works, the the, the whole network of, of, of the homeless. Um, and then as I, would, as I was doing the project um, of researching the homeless, uh, that was actually the, the, the trigger for me to go on the streets is I, I found out that I couldn't really research the homeless from a non-homeless perspective mm. because they would always perceive me as a person that wants something from them. And um, somehow it is a lot harder to find homeless people. They find you, but you usually <laughs> can't find them. <laughs> yeah. And then I thought, okay, there's only one way out. And I, I was getting sick of... of I don't know, the assignments that I had to do in school. So I thought, you know what? School is probably not going to mind if I'm going to spend, if I'm not going to show up for, for a week and just, I'm just going to pack my shit and then go out. And that's what I did. I grabbed uh, um, a sleeping bag and a bunch of stuff and uh, I just uh, went. And then I, yeah, got in contact with a homeless person from uh, at the Regenbooggroep in, uh, in, in West. And he told me about the chair project, Stoelenproject, which is an anonymous uh, sleeping place for homeless people. 
so you don't have to be registered anywhere. That's what the anonymous means in the, in, in the sentence. And then I just applied there for a night and I got one night and that's how sort of the rest unfolded mm. as well. Yeah. Do you want one no more? And, and what was like the then the, the like was there any like the the your craziest experience or like what was like the the thing that surprised you maybe the most that you didn't Ooh. expect to experience maybe? Um, what I expected, what I I think what I, what I found out are a couple of things that I find very important. The first one is there are way more homeless people than you think. But I think most of the most of the homeless that are also out there, you you do not see because they don't approach you and they don't necessarily look homeless. Mm. They 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 look taken care of. They 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 take care of themselves. Um, and now I see them everywhere. Now I recognize slight details where I'm like, ah, okay, that person is not just wandering there. That person is probably homeless based on I don't know how the how their shoe is is um deteriorating on the backside you know all, mm. all these all these little things um but so yeah they're way more homeless than you think um there are so many different kinds of homeless so you, for instance you have you have the they're 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 all like groups they're all like little segments but the one that interested me the most are sort of the the zelfredzame the 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 that they've been stamped with that they can take care of themselves mm. they're sort of these very lone wolfy type of homeless people um that do take care of themselves but because they have that stamp also lose a lot of um help because the government sees them as okay you know you can take care, take care of yourself so you don't need help so mm. they're like stuck in a very nasty limbo mm. um yeah so that i found very interesting and then as i was talking to homeless people because i was just having conversations with people and after i was done with the week of sleeping i returned um and just spoke to more people because then they already knew my face mm. and the ones that i um the ones that I actually spoke to during my uh, uh week on the street as soon as i had a long conversation with them i just told them what i'm actually doing because it didn't feel right to lie about it mm. it just felt rude and how, how did they react then to to that um <laughs> the, the the first time I sort of um, uh, well they directed actually pretty good on it yeah we were pretty nice but I just remembered that the very first night that I was sleeping in the anonymous uh, sleeping place is that one of them actually sort of called me out as I was having a conversation he he looked me in the eye and said are you really homeless <laughs> and I <laughs> I was so scared it felt like I was in prison because you're surrounded by people. Mm. Um, I was playing chess with uh, with one and I was like surrounded by four others and we were just having a conversation and all of a sudden he calls me on it. And then I was like, oh man, maybe they're gonna, maybe they're gonna do something if they find yeah. that I'm not actually that. Um, so I said uh, very politically, um, I am now. <laughs> um, I, th I think something like that. I said something very vague and later on I, I looked him up personally Mm. Um, and then just said, yo, um, sorry for lying back there. I was scared, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And then I just told them how it worked. Um, but they reacted pretty well. But what I, what my, my findings from this whole project, which was, I think, super nice to recognize, came from talking to them, listening to their story, 
and then asking them the very simple question, okay, what, what is wrong? What, what are the problems that you have? And then basically it came down to so many different variations of problems stacking up as a huge problem of, of staying on the street. Things ranging from identity card expired, bank account card expired. And if you want to get a new bank account card, you need to show your ID, but then your ID is expired. So you can't show your ID. So you need to get a new ID. And then the government says to get a new ID, you need an address, but you're homeless. So you don't have an address. So there's like constantly these, these tiny little things that are very intimidating. I think if you're on the street, um, but for somebody that isn't and looks from it, from a very clear perspective, from an outside perspective can solve that. And then I really thought, okay, what if what if you actually just set up personal helpers, people that actually, with full attention, help people one on one? I think you're gonna get them off the streets if you actually do it this way, instead of just like putting them all through the same door mm. um, and and just throwing some money at them for I don't know food, just uh, just enough to survive. I think mm. you can actually do way more than that and i think it's happening happening now actually hopefully as well yeah 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 i think super interesting also super cool that you that you went uh, through that uh, experience but did you then also actually like uh, sleep like uh, i mean now like uh, i think the one night was lo a little bit more like in a safe environment like sleeping like in a kind of place but did you actually like sleep on the street like somewhere yes yes so one the first night was in in a place with other homeless people which i can tell you did not feel safe um because you are with a bunch of people that you don't know and they they see you man they see you as this clean person and they're like they they're onto you instantly yeah. and then you're lying there and you're on on a on a t thin mattress and it really for me it felt like sort of i've never been to prison but it felt like prison mm how I imagine it at least, I slept on my shoes. I had all my valuables inside my shirt um, because, you know, they, they, they're very, very uh, good readers of character. They're very good readers of people and they instantly see you're new. Mm. And then, so f I, for me, that felt super intimidating. And the rest of the nights, I just slept outside. Once uh, I, I, I talked with uh, a guy that I met at a... Um, at a food shelter thing and I got to talking with him and he basically said, oh, you can sleep at my place, <laughs> which is uh, somewhere behind a, uh, <laughs> somewhere behind a sure guard, uh, <laughs> uh, on a, on a uh, field. And he had some, um, I don't know, some blankets stashed somewhere. And I, I just slept at his place. Mm. So that was nice. And the rest of the nights I just, I, I lone wolfed it. I, mm. I really, felt very comfortable just like looking at a spot where i can just be safe a little yeah. hole where i was like okay nobody's gonna find out and um then i slept really good yeah it's it's really crazy because the the first night alone outside i was i, I slept super shit. i was really scared also that people were gonna find me maybe hurt me or something yeah. but then i remember i think it was almost the last night i slept on my piece of cardboard and I remember being awoken at I don't know five o'clock by by workers they were like not that they, they weren't waking me but they were doing their job and then I 
I, I really, I awoke and I was like, nah, I want to sleep in. <laughs> and I just, I just turned on my little cardboard thing and I just continued sleeping. Yeah. So but it's funny how that works, right? Imagine because um, if you don't have that experience, if you sometimes see the people um, sleeping, like just with all the noise and everything going on, you think like, how can they sleep here? Like it's, you know, everything yeah. is around you. But if you experience that now, it's just like, I mean, it's just like in your own own bed. Uh, yeah. Even though of course, not, yeah. not comparable. But like you turn around and then you just sleep because your body, your body yeah, needs I, it. I think humans can get used to practically anything. But I do have to say as a disclaimer that of course I slept on the streets, but I I, I, I knew I had a home. It's a, it's a totally different thing if you don't have a home. So I, I, you know, I got a glimpse of the experience, but I can never fully experience it until I actually lose my home yeah. and the shit that comes with, you know, mm. reaching that point. Yeah, so, definitely. I mean, yeah. you always have the safety net. You can always, yeah. I mean, yeah. just go home and like call yeah. it a day. But basically um, I just, for me, what I did is I tried to, I just didn't contact anyone just from that I knew. So no contact on phones um, and then just don't return home. Just try to find your way through. That's what I did. Mm. Yeah. Super. What was the hardest uh, part for you in the whole experience? Um, in, the, in the beginning, I, I really tried to find a solution <laughs> for, for homelessness. I was really like, oh man, I sympathize with so many of these people. I just want to I just want to take them all in. I want to I want to get rid of all their problems and that was really hard mm. to to not be able to do that because so many others have tried that before and I was like okay, you know, who are you to actually sort of change that? But um so that was that was that was quite hard. Mm. Um and when I what I also remember is that the first day that I wasn't on the street anymore and I returned, I saw my girlfriend. I went straight from the street from being with homeless people. It was at night that I came back to my girlfriend. And I remember she just wanted to hug me and I was like, whoa, no, space, <laughs> mm. no hugging, please. So I, I really already felt after after a week that I was like in a different mind state. I was like, okay, please you're you're way too close you know this this is not and this is way before corona as well so mm. like um and then i was like i don't know it does something to to be in this world where people don't touch each other where you are not touched and if people touch you it's usually a bad thing so i don't know i thought that was really interesting that was even a week can you can you imagine like a year half a year uh, two years some people will stay so long on the streets that I think will do something with you forever. Mm. And did it change something in your mindset as well? Like in terms of like in your maybe like thinking process, creative processes, like that kind of experience that it gave you like a different, also like other dimension to, to it maybe? Yeah, it gave me, um, it gave me a certain confidence that if I'm able to pull this off, I'm able to pull other things off. <laughs> Mm. Um. yeah but it also really confronted me that I am not very good in sort of how do you say 
believing in myself to a certain extent because for instance the um, the ideas that i found out about how to get homeless people off the streets um by actually you know talking to them um um and actually one person actually started helping one homeless person so mm. i actually went with him to the bank and explained to the bank yo this is his situation and then every step i just along the way i just started helping and i really noticed that it helped this person so therefore i really believed okay this this can actually do something but then when i told other people about it this insight is that they were me like oh you have to go to the press and you have to do this and you have to do that but i was i was so scared that who am i to to uh, to get that insight maybe i'm super wrong you know um and then i was way too scared to do anything with it mm. so the project basically parked once i was done with um presenting my thing to school um and uh, that's it I, I mean the only thing that remains now is that i'm still in contact w with one of my friends that i made there but for the rest i was i was way too scared because i didn't believe that it was actually true what i what i discovered Mm. I presented it to school as as a very confident thing, but I was I was super insecure about it, um, and I, I I am learning now um, to sort of believe in myself and then just try to actually, if you believe in yourself, try to m pull it further, try to find a way to get it further than just your own project. Mm. And I think that really confronted me at the time that I was too scared to go to the press. I was too scared to. Um, ask ask people if it was anything interesting mm. yeah yeah still busy with that <laughs> but but i think in the end um it is also a very i mean it's a very um, also systematic or or system related problem right like it's not i can understand your position of like saying who am i to change the the, the system i think that's always like very difficult to also go against systems Uh, there are a couple of uh, fighters out there who fight against like climate change or racism mm -hmm. or uh, whatever um, and I think they have the same uh, feeling uh, as, as well because it's just um, very difficult I think to to create change like on a small level you can like you help one person which is absolutely amazing but like what what's next like you cannot spend all your time and your Uh, days to help every single person along the way because it takes mm. a lot of uh, a lot of time yeah true it's part of part of sort of going yeah it's very nicely put part of going against the system is sort of um <laughs> being insecure that you know if there's a system it must be right uh, so why who am i to say that it's wrong no yeah but there are so many wrong systems <laughs> so many <laughs> no the, yeah of course it's Yeah, but I think it's good to get confident in that as well, to just trust yourself in that too and continue on the path of also questioning systems because, I mean, if you if you look at, I don't know, even s systemic racism, for instance, like, or, or capitalism, there are a bunch of things wrong with it or, mm. or uh, I don't know, modern agriculture, since I'm diving into my soil um, uh, project recently. But I mean, modern agri agriculture is also a system that isn't very good for the planet, but it still is. Mm. But it's good to question these things. But um, yeah, yeah, 
what you said but um, it, but it's a, then something that you uh, can see yourself in the future like doing as well of um or are you that type of like let's maybe say more the experimental kind of uh, artist guy that really has to indulge into the things that he's doing otherwise you're not fully into it um yes <laughs> i think it might be i think it might be part of of how i work mm. because i don't know i think it's it's also very cool to live multiple lives in this way because i i chose to study advertising because it is creatively there's you you sort of dip your toe in so many different industries mm. um so many different skills you do something with film you do something with um i don't know campaigns but you you can do anything in communication so therefore you can dip your toe in anything if you want to communicate anything mm. um and then sort of me having that homeless experience gives me a bit of life experience where I'm like, okay, this makes me, I don't know, richer as a person. Mm. And then I would just want to continue my life diving into things really deep, finding out how it works. And then I go out to the next thing. And then I sort of hope to fill myself up with all these deep, rich experiences of getting towards a certain kind of knowledge that goes further than the things that you just read. I think there's so much knowledge in the human itself to be gained from, I don't know, talking to them, experiencing what they do. Mm. But I mean, as I say it now, I have no idea where I'm going to be uh, in the future. I might get really scared <laughs> and uh, be like, ah, oh, I no longer want to go onto the streets because i have kids i don't know <laughs> yeah. you never know where it goes what how do you mm, how to put that uh, correctly can you can you handle um criticism for example if people would not like your um your art installation or I don't know the the campaign mm. the ad for whatever you do like is, is that are you able to handle criticism and to maybe defeat in a, in a way especially yeah. since you are like um diving that deep into a into a role into a into a topic that if someone would criticize you on that like that's not good work it, would that be difficult for you yeah so i thought that i was always very good at criticism because to a certain extent, I really am. I really, I love criticism. I actually do. Um, on me personally or my work, I just want to get it to a next level. And therefore, you need criticism to to get it there. So I just want people to be honest. I want um, Because otherwise, they're going to lie to me and then I'm going to end up with something that that isn't the fullest extent of what it can be. But now that you actually ask me this question... I really start to think about it. And I think a part of my insecurity of not finishing projects, rather um, just like staying in a concept phase, is part of maybe being scared that other people are going to criticize it. Um, and then I'm actually not so sure how <laughs> how how well I am in, 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 in that criti criti criticization. Yeah. Um, 
yeah i think yeah i don't know i think i have to um i have to learn how to deal with criticism on a larger scale um yeah but I for mean, that you have to fail like for that you have to yeah. like create also that kind of like whatever it will be that people also are able to criticize it right 100 like i i i believe in the theory of failing you need to fail to 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 discover so many things but it's it's harder than to actually do it and and partially I, I it's so weird like partially i can i can fail i can try i can do random things and i i love criticism but to a certain extent i also don't i i really sort of avoid um uh certain things by covering it up with other things um mm. and you know so i think partially yes partially no to the to the whole criticism mm. uh, thing super interesting yeah. uh, to talk about it uh, what do you think um, who who was the most uh, influential person uh, to your young career first thing that pops to mind is my mother <laughs> it's very cliche she would love that but i mean <laughs> come on man my mother is um she organized children's theater um in the village that i grew up in she taught me how to make um I don't know art art pieces out of toilet rolls um she she taught me how to think in a theater way mm. to things and once you start seeing life as a theater then then it just becomes a whole nother thing yeah i think i think my mother would be the the greatest um contributor to that definitely she will definitely love us when she yeah. said <laughs> i mean it's such a cliche but in a way man she's so freaking creative yeah. <laughs> it is crazy Like for instance, how how I measured that as well in in the beginning, comparing that is is um, is children's birthday parties. My birthday parties were not normal, man. <laughs> They weren't. We would have um, we would have an, in the end of the of the um, of my birthday party, we would have built our own. Um, attributes for for a play and in the end of the evening we would perform to our parents that that you know we would we would do so many different things mm. um our our pirate parties weren't just dressing up as pirates we would just like we would build my my parents would build underneath their bed an entire sort of world that we could play in and i think this rubbed on to me pretty well mm. um so yeah <laughs> that's amazing yeah Yeah. yeah if you um if you could invent a subject at school uh, what would you do <laughs> dude there are so many things that i would like to invent <laughs> i would like to invent teleportation for one this is really really cool i can be anywhere uh discover the world at a high speed um see things up close see what it's like would like to try uh, teleport that would be pretty nice um i would like to invent a machine that makes everything come to life that i can think of so imagine just a room and you have your i don't know a helmet on and the thing that you imagine just pops up and boom you can start playing with it you can you can start dude you can make anything then Oh, that would be so crazy. Just thinking about it, the possibilities of that would be endless. Because usually sort of the the craft of making something, although I really enjoy the craft, 
don't get me wrong, but it also sometimes stands in the way of my mind mm. because I can think of so many things where I'm like, oh, this would be the coolest thing, but then you still have to make it. And then it just sort of stands in the way of, of it actually being made. Mm. Um, yeah, so that would be pretty cool. But then probably I would get bored because I can make anything, I guess. So that would be probably the moral of the story that I shouldn't invent that. <laughs> um, another thing that I would like to invent is turning things into nature. It sounds very, very vague and very tree huggery, but I just, I would love the skill to just go to a, I don't know, a, a cut down forest field and just go full freaking avatar mode on it and grow trees in the matter of seconds and it's like boom boom <laughs> you know green everywhere yeah. trees um, monkeys animals everything arises and then i would just spend years maybe just fighting um <laughs> fighting all the all the deforestation and all the other i don't know whale hunting i would just summon whales <laughs> to destroy boats i don't know it's stuff like this mm. i would like to enjoy that uh, i would like to invent that I, I i love where you're going with this because it wasn't actually <laughs> the question but i i, I love where, where oh, you're shit. going what was the question no, but but it was perfect because you, you you immediately went on it and you were gone um uh, sorry. I, I, no but 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 that's perfect that uh, i love that now i was actually asking uh, if you could invent a subject in school that is now not taught in school but you sh you could invent like a, a, a subject like i don't know like math or chemistry which is taught but if you could actually invent a new one uh, what would you do Mm, that is really interesting question um damn a new subject i think i would like to give a subject on on life <laughs> in the sense of wow man this is too broad to explain because i've been theorizing about this for for years um basically i think if people understand why things are happening then they will live a different life so if you know the cause and effect system properly know it then i think you're going to live differently in a sense of if you are if you're learned in school um why you should sit straight or 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 move your body around uh, not because the teacher tells you but because simply that is better for your body I think would have a better effect if you would say to a kid, um, I don't know, just like properly explain why things are valuable. And then beyond the point of money, beyond the point of, 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 you know, all the, all the standard things, just, I don't know, why is, why is theater important? Because it gives you the skills to be free, to be, to be comfortable in your own skin. It gives you the, the, the freedom to, to see the life as a stage. Um, why would you be interested in, in uh, I don't know, math? Well, not because you have to, but because if you have math, you can maybe go into engineering. And once you can go into engineering, you can build so many cool things. Mm. So there's endless possibilities. That's why you should learn math. Um, I don't know, like that's, that's what I would like to have had, I think, in school. Mm. Because I, I haven't had a very good school path um <laughs> very bad one actually um and i think 
I don't know, all the teachers try to explain it to me, in, the, in my opinion, in the very wrong way. They were like, yeah, you have to study because then you can make money. And I was like, but if I don't care about money, why mm. would I study? Bye. <laughs> you know, these, these, it didn't make sense to me. And then later on, when I went to graphic design school, I, I learned that I was doing school for myself to hone my skills so I can make things so that I can actually enjoy, um, so many different things mm. I can, I can create what I think of. And then all of a sudden this sort of school rush, um, kickstarted this adrenaline where I just went on full rampage of like, oh man, I want to learn everything because now that I know that it's for me, I can, you know, it's, it's the coolest thing to fill myself up with knowledge from all over because mm. I can, they're building blocks to, to think and to philosophize and yeah, that's why you should do, that's why you should learn not for others, but for yourself. Mm. And I think that would be something that is very good to be taught in school. I'm not sure if that was a good answer. No, to that, that, question, that was perfect. <laughs> perfect. If you, if you could look, um, two years into the, into the future. Yeah. What would you have liked to have done already? Mm. I would like to have built my own installation, um, on soil. <laughs> That's one thing. Yeah. But I would, I would have liked to build an installation. I would have liked to finish a documentary that I'm working on about my father. Um, and I would at least love to have produced a song finished as in like properly finished. Because I always have so many unfinished songs, mm. unfinished bands. I just want to finish those things. Super yeah, cool. So definitely a documentary, a song and an installation. That would be really dope. Super nice. Hey, I want uh, also slowly to bring this uh, podcast home. I think it was uh, really, really amazing to get to know you. Um, I mean, it was a little bit chaotic, but I also liked this kind <laughs> of uh, dynamic. I mean, we were eating pizza, yeah, we had yeah. a package <laughs> delivered, we, we started later. Now we have to also wrap it up because there's a curfew coming. So exactly, I, I love yeah, I the I dynamic. Um, but anyhow, I think it was good good to get to know you and uh, to have also get a, a, a little bit uh, a glimpse into your creative mindset and like how you... Uh, look at art how you look at at um, what is going on in the world i think that your position to the world to life became very clear i think that was super interesting oh i hope so <laughs> and um, before we end off i always have uh, three final questions yeah uh, but they are i i hope they are short questions um so the first question is what are you not very good at right now and you want to become better at i'm not very good at finishing things i want to finish things okay <laughs> that's very clear straightforward yeah um which title would you give i want to oh, oh and also uh, i want to i want to learn how to focus because i think part of not finishing things is because i i have a very broad scope and i need to you know get get a very i need to get a laser just boom mm. okay sorry second question uh which title would you give this chapter of your life i think confidence in myself acceptance of myself acceptance of yourself yeah yes um because i am proving to myself now that i can finish things <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that i can also from my own autonomous mindset do my work and 
I don't know. There's there's a sense of calm that I feel now in this period of my life where I'm getting a certain confidence that I know who I am and I know what I want and I look forward to, you know, going there. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Last questions. Um, if you could send a SMS or a, a WhatsApp message to every mobile phone in the world, what would you say? <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, because my current obsession is soil. We haven't even talked about it, but I would just say a healthy soil is the way to go forward. <laughs> And then it would be like, huh? <laughs> what is this guy talking about? And then I would hopefully look it up. But yeah, if the way you treat your soil is how you treat yourself. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that, that is deep. <laughs> I think we cannot get deeper than this uh, than this today. Uh, yeah, Theo, thank you so much for joining the Three Room Podcast. It was really a pleasure. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for your energy, man. Thanks, man. Very well uh, hosted. Thank you so much for listening to the Three Room Podcast. And I'm very happy that we made it through because this recording was a very chaotic recording. We had a lockdown that was coming up at nine o'clock, so we had to hurry. We were really hungry, so we were both after work, so we also had to eat in between and we got packages delivered and then and, and So there were a lot of things that disrupted the conversation, but I think you cannot feel it. I think um, that also made it kind of special. Uh, we had to react to uh, many, many different uh, challenges that we, that we got uh, thrown at uh, during the recording. And I think we managed quite well. So I'm happy that we had such a great conversation and also really a nice connection. And um, I find it really super cool how he got challenged very early from his parents also on uh, creativity. And I think his creative skills got like sharpened uh, very early already. And now he keeps on developing and he, he's working really hard to also uh, make them visible. And one thing that I found most impressive is how he deep he's indulging into the different topics. Uh, I myself, I'm more a generalist. I like to jump from topic to topic. And I also know that many other people have the same feeling, but he's exactly the opposite. He really takes time. He really goes re very deep into every topic that he's taking care of. So now he's very obsessed with soil. So then he reads everything that is to know about soil that he becomes the expert in the material. And I found this uh, very impressive and a very cool learning as well for me. Uh, to take uh, just a little bit of Theo Rekehoff and uh, get deep into the topic. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. If you have done so, please don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcast, follow us on Instagram, show your love on Instagram, send me a DM if you like it, send me a DM also if you don't like it. I really, really appreciate feedback. And until then, we are back with a new episode next week, Tuesday. Take care. Yours truly, Marcus.